0: Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. Welcome, everyone, to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I'm your host, Rebecca Whitman. I am helping you go from burned out, overwhelmed, exhausted, to balance beautiful and abundant and today i have a wonderful guest welcome to the show brian bogert
1: excited to be here my friend
0: yeah, it's so great. I I met Brian cuz he DM me. He slid into my DMs on Insta. Didn't know him, but he said, "Hey, let's go live and just have an enlightened conversation." So I was like, "Sure, let's go live." And we had a really fun. It was a short conversation, maybe 5 minutes cuz you had scheduled a bunch of back-to-back guests, yep. and it was such a fun conversation that I was like, Well, this is just like an appetizer, like a five minute conversation. You could have that at a light, like through each other's window in a car. I'm like, let's actually like, you know, pull up, grab a coffee, have a real conversation and really like get into it. So that's what we're going to do today. He's on my podcast. I'm on his podcast. So we're really going to. Go deep into some of these amazing principles that Brian teaches. Uh, First of all, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. Wherever you're listening, you are making a major difference because you're sharing this show, and we have reached the status of the top 0.5% in the world for self help podcasts. So keep loving on it and sharing it and being a part of this awesome movement that you don't have to live life tired. You can actually have a happy, productive life, and still be successful and make money without being just completely fried. So let's get into Brian's bio. There's a lot here. Uh, Brian has a purpose to awaken the sleeping giant within people and turn them into legends. Brian is revolutionizing how individuals and leaders and entrepreneurs deeply connect With their authentic selves to achieve the best version of themselves. Who doesn't want to be a legend and the best version? As a performance coach, speaker, and business strategist, Brian disrupts the traditional approach on how to create sustainable growth and lasting change, both personally and professionally. His unique philosophies help individuals and companies discover and activate their potential. Brian's goal is to impact over a billion lives as quickly as possible. So Brian, tell us your story. How did you go from, I know there's a tragic accident in your story, and now you went from recovering from that accident to wanting to impact a billion lives, which is an amazing mission. Tell us a little bit about your trajectory.
1: So there's a whole lot in between that as well. So, you know, we'll hit, yes. the, we'll hit the tops of the waves. You know, the yes. very first thing I have to say in introducing myself is that I'm a husband and father first. It's the only thing binary in my world. And uh, it means that if my wife and kids aren't good, I walk away from everything else uh, that is going on in my world. Now, I've always said that, but what you'll learn through our conversation is, is that my actions were not always congruent with those words. Uh, they very much have been now for a long period of time, and it's a beautiful place to be. But if I take you back early on, you know, there is a string of a couple of different traumas, if you will, that took place in my life. And I want to be clear when I say this. I don't care if it's a big T trauma or a little T trauma. Trauma is trauma. And all that matters is if it's affected you, right? So why, why do I say that? Because when I was seven, I was run over by a truck and my left arm was completely severed from my body. Whoa. My mom, my brother were just a few feet behind me. I was waiting for my mom to catch up and unlock the doors and the truck came out of control backwards and hit our car. Okay. After all this took place, it was August 10th, 1992, 115 degree day, six ten PM in Phoenix. And my mom- You were, you mom were out
0: like, of the car. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to picture this. You were a little- I was out of
1: the car. I was waiting next to my mom's car, waiting for her to unlock the doors. And this uh, was back in the days before key fobs. So I had to literally wait for her to reach into her purse, grab her keys, pull them out, stick them in the door. She was only four feet behind me, along with my brother. So they watched the whole thing happen. And the next thing my mom hears is my brother's voice that says, Mom, Brian's arm is over there. And as she looks up to see where he's pointing, she sees a string of the, my muscle cooking like hamburger on the asphalt. Oh, right, brutal. Now, I have to always honor the woman other than my mom that's responsible for me still being alive today. Because there was a nurse that walked out of that store right when this took place. And she saw the literal life and limb scenario in front of her. And she paused and went immediately into action. Came over and stopped the bleeding on the main wound. And then she instructed some innocent bystanders to run inside, grab a cooler, fill it with ice, and to get my detached limb on ice within minutes to give me a fighting chance of having my arm reattached. Now, I met her on the 30th anniversary of the accident. And so when I've said I'm forever indebted to this woman, it became even more powerful when I realized that she had a friend with her that day who was also a nurse who had all the same set of training, but instead turned her head and went on with her way. Now, I want to be really, really clear. I have no mal emotion, energy, no resentment, no nothing. That was well within her right to do. But why do I highlight this? Because the woman who did take action, it shows the ripple effect of a singular choice in a singular moment, and how it can not only save someone's life, but then impact hundreds of thousands, if not millions more. And so why did I say the part in the beginning? Because what I've realized is I have an extremely unique story. But what I've also realized in my 31 years of telling it and working with others through a variety of other methods is that each and every one of you has a unique story. So what's important is that we all learn to pause and become aware of the lessons we can extract from our stories so we can become intentional in how we apply those moving forward. Now, I know we'll hit different tops of the waves, but the reality of it is is I came out of the hospital not knowing any better, cute, you know, never shy, And now all of a sudden, I have a teddy bear in between my arm that's sitting here at 90 degrees. And inevitably, people would come up and be like, hey, Brian, what happened to you? Or what happened to you if they didn't know my name? And they were expecting me to be like, well, I was racing my brother down the street on our bikes, and we crashed, or I flew off the jungle gym. But what would I do? I'd look them deadpan in the eye and say, I was run over by a truck, and my left arm was torn off. Now, I got really used to seeing people's jaws hit the ground. But once they picked up their jaw, (laughs) 99% of them would pause. And they would immediately turn to my parents for validation which told me what? They didn't believe the truth that I'm living and existing in, right? And this will make sense later as it relates to how we utilize human connection and the human experience to really focus on these things. But I wasn't seen and understood. I wasn't being connected, right? And so I ultimately built a layer of armor to keep myself safe, which was, okay, I'm not going to listen to any of you because then those same people would view me through their lens of what they'd be capable of in my situation, immediately limiting me. So that set off a whole trajectory, and I'll come full circle. There's pieces in the middle that will hit throughout the course of the rest of our conversation. I'm sure, but ultimately, I did not at that moment decide, "Oh, I'm going to go impact a billion lives," right? But I did learn very, very early the power of perspective, and so this will shape kind of where it went. Everyone always asks, "Like, when you were seven, do you remember? Like, what did you feel? What were you thinking right when that happened?" And after the first 48 hours passed, and it was kind of like a dream. I did feel sorry for myself, and I started wondering, why me, why me, why me? And then we started having families come up to us in the in the ICU saying, we're so sorry for what happened to you guys. Man, it's so traumatic. I cannot believe that you're going through this. What can we do to help you? And then come to find out that their kid's laying in the hospital bed next to me with a terminal illness, and they don't know if they're going to live for another 30 days. The threat of my life was no longer an issue. Whether or not I'd have use of my arm was secondary at that point. That's when I learned one of the most important lessons that we still teach today is that I learned not to get stuck by the things that had happened to me, but instead get moved by what I can do with them. And I believe now that moved people move people. So I'm just on a mission to move as many people as I possibly can.
0: I love that. Moved people move people. So what, what is your mission to move a billion people toward what?
1: It's to reduce the level of suffering that exists on this planet, largely of which I believe exists internal. Right. And so if we understand suffering, I believe we suffer in four different places the things that are left unsaid, the things we lack permission to feel or say, the things we lack the words to articulate or understand, or the things that are left undone. Hmm. Now, here's the reality with a whole bunch of missing gray nuance in between. But long story short, when I ultimately shut off physical pain because it exceeded my ability to cope, I also shut off mental pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain for 20 to 25 years and didn't even realize it. And it had a ripple effect in my life that created damage of which would cause more energy, more of my capacity to be zapped, to neutralize, diffuse, and start to move through when in reality, I'm reacting to things that had nothing to do with what was right in front of me. Right? And so today, as someone who's dealt with deep levels of shame, conditioned in those moments when I wasn't seen and understood, All of us have moments like that in our lives where we're living and existing in our truth and people don't see us and we start to silence ourselves, right? And then here's where it starts to come to fruition. We don't pay attention to all of the areas of healing and to really start to identify the moments of which we're reacting versus responding. So today my mission and my purpose in life, I believe, is to allow my truth to give others permission to live theirs. And so very often, what does that mean in these four areas? Every time I talk and tell my story, every time you talk and share your story from a vulnerable place, which shows people what's happening, not only are we freeing ourselves from suffering by speaking it into the world, but what are we now doing? We're giving others permission to feel and say things they haven't otherwise. We're giving them words to articulate and understand it in a lens that maybe they've not considered before, which then frees them to act and do so they can get themselves moving. Now, we have a whole framework that was developed around this. And it's as a byproduct of not having a healthy model for me to follow when I was trying to work through my shame, work through my anger, ensure that I could repair my marriage, break the generational patterns that were existing in my home, right? And so as this was taking place, I developed the waste to wealth method, which is five pillars guaranteed for any individual or organization to identify and remove the waste they don't even know exists within and transform it into wealth-generating activities that will connect and convert. See, the reality of it is is that so often it is the trash from people's past that shows up as the singular biggest problem, but they don't typically understand it or know it. And so the one thing I'll say to everyone, since I just said everybody's biggest problem is the trash from their past, it absolutely is. But here's the other side of it. The trash from your past isn't your fault. Mm. It just becomes your responsibility once you become aware of it or you start burying others in yours.
0: So tell us, what are you got me curious, what are the five ways, ways to wealth me- method? What are these yep. five steps or five Yeah, so the five
1: pillars, I'll hit them at, at, as quickly and high level as I can yes. uh, to make sure that there's some context around this. Uh, I'll give you the five of them, and then I'll give you a little descriptor of each. Sure. First thing I have to say before I tell you the five, though, is that these are not linear. It's more like an infinity because it's constant evolution of self, and you will enter and exit Different points of these five, depending on where you're at in your own journey. Okay. But the very first is awareness. And I'll describe that this isn't awareness in the traditional sense in just a second. The second pillar is ownership. And this again is not what you might expect it to be. The third is unpack. The fourth is flip the lid. And the fifth is move. So to hit them high level through each one of them, awareness in many cases is done in a way that causes most people who are seeking to raise their level of awareness for the things that have happened in their lives, the things that have kept them stuck, the patterns that they want to escape, they start to become more aware of all the ways they should be judging themselves versus actually understanding what to do with it. Mm. So awareness in this case is actually about understanding physiologically the patterns that show up in your body. What are the intellectual, emotional, and physical narratives that were formed in those times so that we can view ourselves objectively and non-judgmentally, but awareness is about understanding you at a deeper core level so that you can show up in moments and actually be able to exist in accuracy in your own truth. Okay, this is about seeing yourself more clearly and being able to remove the shame and blame cycle within yourself. It goes deeper on this, but that's the highest level uh, uh, descriptor that just gets people going. Most people say, Brian, how do I know if I have trash? Okay, well, one question most people feel. Doesn't mean that if you don't feel it, you don't have trash. Here's a little secret. I've not met a human who doesn't have trash yet. However, okay, who was the last person that made you feel like garbage? If you feel anything, guess what? You've got stuff to work on. Okay. The next pillar is ownership. Now, ownership is truly trying to put ourselves into a position to seek perspective and to shift ourselves to the extreme of almost claiming responsibility and ownership for everything In our lives, with our friends, our families, our businesses, our health, our relationships, our money, right? Shame and blame are off the table because this is perspective seeking. So as it relates to ownership, what we need to understand is that guess what? When we react, we create damage. Part of ownership is actually seeking to create repair. What do I mean by this? I'll give an example. My wife used to ask me a simple question and she'd say something like this. Hey, honey. What are you gonna do with the kids this weekend? But my shame filter would cause me to hear it this way. Hey, honey, you've not done enough to be a good husband and father here recently. So, what are you gonna to do to make up for it this weekend? <laughs> and then I'd start to feel my shame get tripped, and my defensiveness would rise. My chest would elevate, my heart would race, and then I'd rattle off the ten things I've done in the last four days to show her I'm a good husband and father. When that wasn't even what she asked. Now, what have I done? I've put energy into that environment, caused her to retreat and create damage, put her own armor up, and now all of a sudden we're in a position where. I wasn't even responding to what she said. I was reacting to what I thought she said. And so understanding ownership is when we unpacked our anger, the fact that I doubt was dealing with anger at a level that I didn't even understand. The first thing I did was went and reached out to people closest in our lives. And her father and her mom were some of the first. I went and had breakfast with them. And I told them all of what had happened and where I was going. And her dad reinforced one of the greatest lessons I've been teaching my kids since they were born. He said, Brian, you talk too much. Show me. (laughs) <laughs> See, the world I mean, will never judge you based on your intent. The yes. world will always judge you based on your actions.
0: Yes. And, and then so, an that class, was ultimately uh, a very famous acting teacher, Sanford Meisner, says an ounce of action is worth a thousand words. So, bingo action. Yeah.
1: Bingo. And so, ownership is about really getting ourselves to that place where we can start to move through um the elements of our life and be able to step into it. Um, The third is unpack, and this is where the deep work gets done. This is feeling for the purpose of healing. I've said for a very long time that if we don't feel, we don't heal. Now, I used to believe that I was feeling in lots of ways, but I told you I identified I shut it off in three different categories when I had shut it off in physical. And so I wasn't feeling, so I never gave myself the ability to heal. This is about actually allowing yourself to sit in your trash long enough until it points you towards what's important, because until you get to the source or sources of that trash and understand the intellectual, emotional, and physical narratives associated with them, you won't ever start to break the cycle. Now, what's interesting is I've said, if you don't feel, you don't heal for years, but there's been science that's actually been showing and proving what this actually is. There's 40,000 cells in the heart that are called sensory neurites. They're brain-like cells that carry cellular memory. What they've actually shown is that if you go through the intellectual process of unpacking the patterns of your past alone, and you don't embody and actually feel the associated emotions that those 40,000 cells in your heart don't actually heal. So you are now intellectually convincing yourself that you've moved through something when in reality, your body and your cells are still going to react to what they believe is true from the past. And so unpacking is getting ourselves to a place where we can actually start to heal, And remove the things that have even caused us to feel the need to protect ourselves in the first place. Flip the lid is the fourth. There's two ways to go about this. Okay. Flipping the lid can be done in a moment. And then there's an exercise done at the end of every day called scan the can that allows us to see the importance of this. Okay. Now, flip the lid in the moment looks something like this. Okay. My wife now could say something to me and I could feel triggered. Okay. In that moment of trigger, What I can do now is I can say, hey, sweetheart, I felt triggered based on what you just said, which tells me I probably didn't hear you correctly. Could you please restate what you just said, and I'll try to hear it through a more neutral lens, and if for whatever reason I'm not capable of doing so, maybe we can pause this conversation and revisit it later, ensuring that there is no damage created, meaning we don't have to extend the additional energy and capacity in our lives to create repair. And so flipping the lid requires us to have awareness ownership have done some work to unpack to be able to do that in a given moment but we can reclaim conversations with prospects and clients and friends in multiple different examples that was just one with my wife scan the can at the end of the day leverages some other elements of it most people take out the garbage in their house or their businesses every single day because if they don't it'll pile up right and i've got some analogies that we could unbreak in another conversation that will help people understand the importance of this but what i also want you to understand is is that Most of our trash and most of what causes us to react is actually truly based on that cellular memory that was formed in those moments. And so as a result of it, what does that mean? If I get triggered 15 times in a day and I don't pay attention to what's taking place and I go to sleep, stage three REM sleep is where memory consolidation and cellular memory is created. Hmm. So what am I doing? I'm now taking seemingly meaningless triggers potentially, but I'm allowing my body, my mind to believe that they're true, and now I'm sleeping and carrying them forward, which will only further compound the issue. So scanning the can is a process of identifying and understanding in an expedited fashion the moments of low-frequency energy and emotion that we've existed in throughout that day, and to be able to quickly unpack and remove what no longer serves us or isn't something we need to spend any additional time in. That prevents us from allowing the compound effect of just pushing more trash down and piling more on top to actually start to get to the sources and remove it the last step is move so this okay, is let's five go and back this to is
0: scan it can like are you just writing things down in a journal are you doing this in your head like how how do you what is the i'm going to
1: suggest for... that it, it it is going to be specific to each individual there mm-hmm. are some that i that get way more benefit by writing it down every day and there mm-hmm. are others that do it in their head the process of it though is to be able to go back and actually reflect in those moments when we had that low frequency energy and emotion and understand what is it that I was actually reacting to in those moments? What was I protecting in those moments, right? What were the intellectual and emotional narratives or beliefs that I had formed as a result of how I was feeling in that moment, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
1: And then extracting it through the lens of also trying to find what was really happening. You know, the reality of it is we used to say, or I used to say, and we hear a lot of people say this, that mindset, mental toughness is the only thing we need, right? But here's the truth. The highest of high performers in the world are not those that just understand their intellectual narratives and know how to be mentally tough. It's those who understand intellectual, emotional, and physical narratives. And they know how to balance and regulate between them because guess what? All three will tell you the truth and all three will lie to you. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of really giving yourself the greatest opportunity to really see what's existing right now in front of us. Great example of a scan the can. I could wake up in the morning and feel lower in my frequency in the shame and blame cycle. I could feel like I'm not there. Sometimes my body will try to convince me of things that are actually not true to me in that moment. So scanning the can is actually giving myself the ability to realize, oh man, my body is actually fatigued, which is causing it to feel this way, which is translating to an emotional state that I'm feeling because I have less capacity. And now my mind starts to race on all the 50 ways that I'm going to be screwed up for that day, when in reality, my body was just fatigued and the cellular memory felt the same as a reaction in another moment, right? Mm -hmm. so scanning a can is a process but I always tell people to do this before they plan for the next day and before they do the visualization because I don't want just the junk to be sitting there I want you to be able to then utilize your subconscious mind to focus on the positive and what we're attracting after we've removed what doesn't serve us does that make sense
0: yeah so how how do you teach visualization how long do you teach your clients to visualize
1: it's different for each individual client. Um, I don't have like a set, you do this for this amount of time every single day, or you have to say these particular statements. I am a big believer that we are allowing ourselves from a subconscious perspective to prime and condition who we're becoming in the future. If we mm-hmm. understand the connection between our conscious minds, our subconscious minds, and the, reali- the reality of it is, is that our emotions are essentially what connect our mind to our body to allow our subconscious mind to act on our behalf. And so for me, it's a process of breathing exercises, of putting ourselves into that preconditioned state of utilizing things like I am statements and putting ourselves into that place. A lot of times too, it's just transitioning and reconciling and closing out the day to open ourselves to what's possible within our sleep and within our dreams. I just walked somebody through a visualization process to start priming and conditioning a subconscious mind before he goes into surgery 10 days from now. Because that twilight state, though it's drug-induced, is the same thing, and we can still utilize the benefit of our subconscious mind with intention. And Mm so, again, I I wish I could give you like a singular answer, but it's different across the board depending on what most people can access, because everybody's in a different place, right?
0: How long do you visualize for average on a daily basis?
1: Oh, I would tell you that I'm consistently living in a, in a in a twilight dream state. Uh, I lucid dream actively, and so I would tell you that I am consistently in a visualization state now with intention. I don't have a set time frame on it. It's a minimum of five minutes a day. Sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes okay. it's two hours. Great. So for me, I allow myself based on the demands of my day to hit my linchpins. Right, the ultimate things that I need to do every single day. But for me, it's not about I have to do it at the same time and the same amount of time every single day. It's about the activity and allowing myself to honor where I'm at in that day. Right. Because there are also days that I might plan to only have a 30-minute window to spend my time meditating, visualizing, and connecting. But then I'll wake up and everything goes astray. Well, I'm not one of those that decides I'm just gonna push through relentlessly in certain scenarios anymore. So that planned 30 minutes might become three hours based on what I need. The mm-hmm. point is, is, about being as present in this moment as possible so that we can actually utilize that with intention.
0: Beautiful. And the fifth pillar, move?
1: Move. Okay. There's three elements to this. This is how does the emotion move through your body? How does it move through your bu- your world so that you can move through it? Now, what do I mean by that? I just told you that when my wife said something and I heard it from a place of shame and anger that I felt my chest elevate. I felt my heart rates. I felt the heat come over the the face of my body. There's other examples with shame where I will actually shrink down. My jaw will lock up. I'll bite my tongue. Why do I say this? Shame is the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing because it presents itself as about 50 other emotions. Okay, I have shame move through my body five or six different ways. I have anger move through my body five or six different ways. So if I'm not aware of the pattern of how my body is reacting physiologically based on the cellular memory, then I'm not giving myself the ability to actually separate from the current moment to see what am I actually reacting to. But when we can start to understand, oh man, this is a shame trigger. Oh man, this is a shame trigger. Instead of just bucketing it under the general anxiety, stress, scarcity, get yourselves to a place where you can understand the connecting patterns. Once you know how it moves through your body, then you can get intentional in what I call trigger mapping, where you can ultimately start to map it towards the things in your world that trigger you. So how it moves through your world is what triggers you. I have over 50 shame triggers that I'm aware of and over 60 anger triggers that I'm aware of. Why is that important? Well, because when my doorbell rings and my two chihuahuas start barking at the top of their their little yappy voices and I get on sensory overload, it feels like an anger response. I'm on edge. I want to scream at the dogs like, shut up, stop. Like I'm overloaded. But I also have two special needs kids. So guess what happens if I don't catch that in that moment and one of them jumps in my lap in the next 30 seconds to a minute, what energy are they getting from their dad that has nothing to do with them, right? What happens if you get into an argument with a spouse right before you go into a major prospective client meeting? What happens if you get into a near car accident before you go lead your team? If you don't have a process for starting to separate from the current moment and realizing how to calm and neutralize our nervous systems real time, then we're just reacting. Mm -hmm. But that's how we allow ourselves to move in those moments. And so I always ask people to say, hey, do you know what it feels like to be triggered? I've yet to meet a person who said no. Everybody's like, yeah. And I'm like, how quickly do you know? And they're like, like almost instantly. Great. If you don't understand how it moves through your body, if you don't understand how it moves through your world, if that's all you understand, then this will be a shortcut to get you going there. The next time you get triggered, I want you to pause and ask yourself two questions. Is what I'm reacting to right now due to what's right in front of me or the trash from my past? Hey, mm-hmm. guess what? A little hint and a secret. 95% of the time, it's going to be the trash from your past. Okay? Then the very second question is, what am I protecting in this moment?
0: Mm, that's a good one.
1: See, when my wife would ask me that question about what we're going to do with the kids, Though I heard her say something different, what was I actually protecting in that moment? I was protecting the fact that being a husband and father is very important to me, that I actually take a lot of pride in my time, energy, and effort in being a great father and husband. And so the mere implication that I wasn't is what I was protecting because I don't want to be shamed down that path. Now, I'm not saying that she said it exactly perfectly. The issue is, is that my armor and my filter and my protection is what disconnected me from truth in that moment.
0: I like what they say in 12 step meetings, you know, if, if you're hysterical, if you're hysterical, it's historical. And that's very similar to this, uh, the trigger philosophy that you have. Um, so how do people discover their sleeping giant? A lot of people, uh, are living lives of quiet mediocrity. How do people discover their sleeping giant, their purpose, their superpower?
1: Well, I would tell you that the majority of the world doesn't even know who they are and they aren't even sure whose narratives they're listening to. Mm. Okay, I'll give you a great example. Okay. Like, and what do I mean by that? Because from the second we're born, we're born as our brightest, most authentic burning light we'll ever be. And then what happens? Parents, teachers, coaches, employers start saying, you should do this. You shouldn't do that. You should be this. You shouldn't be that. You should want this. You shouldn't want that. You should live here. You shouldn't live here. You should have this kind of job. You shouldn't have this kind of job. And should is a shame-based word because it implies whoever you are and whatever you're doing, you're not good enough. So it starts funneling us down into this box based on who the world has told us who to be instead of who we are. So the first place is to start to actually just understand, great example, one of my clients who's been in the fitness and and health and welfare space for a very, very long time had all of these self-defeating patterns that were existing. When we actually dug into it, all of the narratives that were driving those belief systems that were self-defeating were his dad's voice, not him but he never had the ability to separate it in that moment to realize that it wasn't his voice. I had a guy yesterday in a mastermind that I'm a participant in. I wasn't even leading it. Right. I jumped in tail end of the conversation. I missed almost all the context, but ultimately I asked him a couple of questions because he's like, man, I just can't get to the source. I can't, I can't identify what's happening. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then ultimately I just asked him a couple of questions and his narrative followed something like this. And he goes, well, I mean, I've been around all these people. I've got all these friends that are, are less capable than me. They all could make it. They could do it. He's like, man, I should, I should have a business that's significantly more successful than I do today. He immediately put shame and blame in the cycle with the word should. And so I just paused and I asked him, I said, whose standard are you comparing yourself to?
0: Oh, good question.
1: Right? What, what, like, what does success look like for you? What does having that business look like for you? Remove all external factors. The issue is, is that most people measure themselves with external metrics versus clarity from within. Right? Armor protects pain, but boundaries ex- are, are, are exist and are a communicated contract that exists based on your clear existence. So you cannot become able to unlock your legend until you even know where your current state is today. Right? So many people have gotten their voice lost and muddied in all the voices that have existed throughout their life and their world. And so very often, that's what I'm centering people in, in the very beginning is, well, what is your truth? What is your truth, right? What is your desire? What legacy do you want to leave? What does success look like? What does failure look like? What does fulfillment look like? Your definition. Most people can't answer that. But the other side of it is is that most of the time when you meet new people, what's one of the first questions that get asked? What do you do? Bingo how often do you get asked who you are?
0: Not often.
1: And oh, by the way, if you ask somebody who they are, 99% (laughs) of people will answer with what they do. Yeah. So how the hell are you supposed to unlock your legend if you can't even tell me who you are independent of what you do? And so part of this is just a process of raising awareness, stepping into ownership for what's yours and what's not yours, being able to unpack the narratives and those moments that have kept you stuck. Because your trash will bury you. And the longer you carry it, the heavier it will get, and the more it will incrementally crush you. And it will take you further and further and further away from who you are. And so, the very first thing that I will tell you is that to get to your place to unlock your legend, you have to ultimately be in a place where you can be safe and protected. The human experience, to bring it full circle to the beginning answer, I believe we all seek and desire four things. We all wanna feel safe. We all wanna feel protected. Those are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. We all want to feel seen and understood and we all want to feel connected. Now, what happens when we walk into an environment where we don't feel seen and connected or seen and understood and connected or safe and protected? What do we do? We protect ourselves, right? Our our proverbial armor goes up. Now to use a trash analogy, do you know those 35 gallon black trash bags that fill the outdoor bins? Yeah. Imagine unfolding one. Don't open it to put in the can and just have the big square rectangle. Now grab one corner and hold it up in front of you. This is your armor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now my question for you is How could you properly expect anyone of importance in your life that you want to see you, understand you, communicate with clearly, whether it's a spouse, a child, a client, a friend, it doesn't matter. You define who those people are. But how could you ever expect someone to see who you are, what you want, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, your boundaries, your value, your worth, your intent, your desires delivered through an opaque force field? And that's also assuming that they're not carrying their own that's going to further dilute the message. So the only way to get there is to put yourself into a position where you can exist in environments where you can have safety, protection, be seen, understood, and connected. Because without that, you will only be a, 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 a small little glimmer of who you're capable of being.
0: Well said. Beautiful. Well, to to piggyback on what you were saying, people don't ask each other who you are being. They say, "What are you doing?" or "What do you do?" Dingo. This is something we talk a lot about on the show. Why is who you are being more important than what you are doing?
1: Well, because so many high performers in this world have learned to receive love, validation, and connection through performance, mm-hmm. which well, means whatever. that my worth, my value, my everything is contingent upon what I do for you. And that mm-hmm. is so heavily conditioned in this world. Now, doing also takes us further and further away from being, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Meaning we fall into these patterns that aren't even who we are, which means we don't have full access to the abundant energy and abundance that exists in this world because we are focused through a transactional, tactical approach of doing. Being is where we get clarity. Being is what allows us to be in this moment. It allows us to be where our feet are. It's the only thing in our world that is true, which is what's right in front of us in this current moment. The past is not an accurate reflection. The future is almost always fabricated. And so it doesn't matter what I'm doing in this moment. What matters is who am I being in this moment? And what I will tell you is the clearer I've gotten on who I am, the more powerful I am, the more access I have to my intuitive abilities, the more creative I get, the easier it is for me to set boundaries so that I don't get emotionally or financially extorted because I used to allow it because that's what I'm seeking, right? Love, validation, and connection through performance. And so... It's all there. But who we are, if we put who before what, it changes the dynamic. And if we put who before what, then who you are ultimately will manifest what you do, not the other way around.
0: Who before what? Who we're being. You're putting who we're being in front of what we're doing. I like that. Who before what? I've never heard that one.
1: And here's the truth. The more I can be, the more I am.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so let's let's talk about because you have really embraced your pain and completely transformed yourself. One of your sayings says, uh, "Embrace the pain to avoid the suffering." Is that yep. is that the uh, flip the lid step in the pillars?
1: No, this is this is actually uh, this is a whole nother lesson that we teach. It's one of our core concepts. It doesn't okay. fit into the ways to wealth methodology, however you have to embrace the pain of understanding the waste-to-wealth methodology to avoid the suffering of being stuck in the same place in perpetuity. Okay. Okay. Where this was developed for me was early in my life. Um, I was kind of in a fog after my accident, but my parents were not, right? They were vividly and intimately aware of the unrelenting medical treatments, physical therapy, and the idea of seeing their son grow up without the use of his left arm was a source of great potential suffering for them. So they willed themselves day in and day out to ultimately embrace the pains required to strengthen and heal me. So whether it was intentional or not, they ingrained in me this philosophy and way of living. Now, we probably don't have time on today's show to unpack the whole concept, but in the most simplistic sense, it's an understanding of we have to redefine pain, right? Pain is defined as short-term, intermittent, and a direct cause from something, and it alleviates once that direct cause is removed. Then we put adjectives in front of it as human beings that inherently change the meaning, like acute and chronic. A chronic pain means that it doesn't heal after that direct cause is removed and it's no longer short-term or intermittent. It's not pain, it's suffering. But what are our nervous systems doing? They're keeping us alive, right? We react because 100 years ago, if you cut your leg, you could die. But today, that's not the current reality for most people. So it's time to update our operating systems. The framework of this, just so you can understand a couple of examples is, we can embrace the pain of hitting the gym for 30 minutes a day to avoid aches and pains of a sedentary lifestyle and suffering that would go along with that. We can embrace the pain of a difficult conversation with a loved one or spouse to avoid the suffering of being stuck in a loveless marriage, or frankly, wanting a divorce and not having a way out. We can embrace the pain of the fit our kids are sure to throw by having them put down their mobile devices at the dinner table to avoid the suffering of years of lost meaningful connection and conversation we'll never get back. As business owners, we can embrace the pain of firing our top salesperson who's contributing the most to top line growth to avoid the suffering of stagnation and losing all our other top talent because they were the greatest cancer in our culture. See, this concept does apply to every single thing we do in our lives, but it's really starting to give ourselves that perspective to be able to separate between this concept of like, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable to really understanding that like, more people are motivated by pain than they are by pleasure. So let's acknowledge the suffering we wish to avoid, identify the pains we need to embrace to overcome that, and then establishes a habit in every area of our life.
0: That is a very cool philosophy because I think if we can change our relationship with pain, we can be great. Whether that's the pain of rejection, if you're in sales or the pain of investing in yourself, if you're an entrepreneur, the pain of breaking down muscle fibers, if you're at the gym. And it's like, if we actually embrace the pain, we can be great. But so many people run from the pain with alcohol, with drugs, with shopping, with gambling. And they're like running from their greatness because they're running from pain. But pain is a path to greatness.
1: I I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, I believe and I say I think we all I think we ultimately all choose our pain or our suffering will choose us.
0: I love it. I love that philosophy So last question, it's the beginning of the year. My show is about empowering people to go from burnout to balance, beautiful and abundant. I know you do teach about burnout. Can you leave us with a few tips that we could actually apply this year to not get burned out?
1: Yeah, um, I will tell you that the greatest investment I think anyone can make, but I'm going to say especially any entrepreneur can make, is in nervous system regulation. Okay, now nervous system regulation can look a whole variety of different ways. And you see a whole lot of things that are trending out there is what this looks like. Nervous system regulation can be something as simple as the four by four box breathing and doing it for just five minutes a day. Most people don't take any time for themselves. But if you take five minutes a day to breathe, compounded over the course of a year, that's 30 hours of intentional breath work that you've allowed yourself to do, right? It's simple. It's easy right? I'm very big into contrast therapy. So I, because of all the pain that I've dealt with and what I've done, have focused very, very heavily on understanding infrared saunas and the benefits of cold water exposure, in particular, when they're done in conjunction with each other, right? Life is all about contrast. The light wouldn't exist without the dark. And so this has lots of embedded elements to it. But ultimately, if we focus on nervous system regulation, HRV, which is heart rate variability, is essentially a measure of the stability of our nervous systems. I was tracking my HRV for the last decade, but I wasn't intentional in actually understanding what it meant or how to manipulate it until the last 24 months. So if we understand where we are at from a readiness and capacity standpoint, we also can handle more. We have higher amounts of capacity and we can honor as well when we need more rest, recovery or disconnection. So if we put intention into nervous system regulation and we track and monitor it, it is one of the greatest and easiest ways to prevent burnout in any area of your life.
0: And that could also be yoga.
1: Can be, yep, can be yoga, can be plyometrics, it can be walking backwards down the street, it can be jumping on a trampoline. Like there are comments. so many ways to activate the nervous system. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the two examples that I gave. But the problem is, is that most people don't put intention into actually monitoring or regulating their nervous systems. So for the people who are
0: listening, this is my last question, is what, I know what box breathing is, but can you explain it to the person who might not know what it is?
1: Yeah. In the most simplified version, it's four seconds in through your nose, four seconds out through your mouth. Now, there are others that will explain it as four seconds in, four second hold, four second out, four second hold. I find that to be a little bit more complicated. And the one that's been studied the most is four seconds in, four seconds out. They've actually studied it and utilized this. They've been teaching that exact breathing technique to the Navy SEALs for about the last 40 years, because through the studies, what they've shown is that simplified level of breathing with intention is the most effective thing at calming the human stress response next to Valium, which is an outside drug, right? So what's crazy is, is that breathing access to our lungs it's one of the few critical things that keeps us alive that will either work without our intention or we can put intention into, right? If you think of toddlers when they're throwing fits and they're a complete breakdown, the second they finally give up, the first thing they do is <gasps> take a breath, right? But how many of us as adults are just locked up and have shallow breathing and don't understand it? So that's why I say at a minimum, if you do five minutes, four seconds in through your nose, four seconds out through your mouth and do that in perpetuity, You will see a profound difference in your world.
0: And when they're doing inhaling for four seconds and exhaling, what are are they visualizing? Are they saying something to themselves? What are they doing?
1: I love that. So I utilize this through a variety of different examples. I will guide people through a body scan to allow them to recognize anywhere there's tension in their body and using their out breath to release that tension. The other thing that we can do, though, is we can use this as a visualization technique. So you asked how and when I do this, right? Visualization, right? For you especially, it's like balanced, beautiful, abundant, right? You're literally imagining on your breath in that this is fresh, clean air that's balanced. It's beautiful. It's giving you abundance. It's feeding you with energy. It's calming your nervous system. It's helping you regulate. It's giving you the ability to stay out of burnout. You focus on all the negative benefits. And then on the exhale, you... <sighs> release all of the negative low-frequency energies and emotions that aren't serving you, the tension that might show up in your shoulders. What's crazy is five minutes, if done through a body scan with intention, people will literally go into it in a completely different state than they come out. And they'll say, how the heck did my body relax my mind? How am I so calm in five minutes? Well, when was the last time you put any intention into your breath? And they'll be like, oh, well, I didn't. Well, that's why. That's the difference. We all have the ability to access it.
0: Wow, this has been a great interview. You are a philosopher, and I've learned so much today. I I took pages of notes. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your cutting edge thoughts. I would love people to be able to find you online and continue learning from you. So, how can people keep in touch with you, Brian?
1: Yeah, if you're a website person, go to brianbogert.com. There's some form of fashion access to most everything in our world through there, including social. But if you're just a social media person first, I'm at Bogert Brian on all channels, including YouTube, and you can find us anywhere. And if all else fails, just Google my name. I promise you there's plenty out there to find.
0: Well, I'm glad I followed up on our five-minute Instagram live. I knew I was in the baby pool and that there was a lot of depth. I had no idea how much, but I'm glad I followed my intuition, and I can't wait to continue the conversation on your show. What is your podcast called?
1: Our long form podcast is called Flipping the Lid. People can find that at flippingthelid.com and it's on all the streaming platforms. Um, I'm anxious to have you on as well, my friend, because we dig into the deep, the real, the raw, the stories that have actually shaped some of the most significant, successful people create an impact in this world. And we're normalizing discussions that aren't typically being had on other shows.
0: I, lo- I can't wait to have a deep discussion with you. Well, everyone, you've listened to another amazing episode of the Balanced, Beautiful and Abundant Show. Keep those five-star reviews coming. Keep sharing this show. It's not just a show, it's a movement. We're showing you, hey, you don't have to go through life exhausted, drained, burned out. You don't have to achieve abundance by pushing yourself. You can just be happy, balanced, and abundant, and work in a way that brings you joy and results. So keep tuning in. We're going to have amazing guests this year in 2024, and until we see you again, Keep your vibe high and magnetize. Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for being a devoted listener to the Balanced, Beautiful and Abundant Show. I so appreciate your subscription, your reviews, sharing this podcast with your friends. And if you feel called to work with me on a personal level, I want to invite you to my Elegant Warrior Training. It is starting in mid-January. I will personally help you get all seven areas of your life to a level 10. That includes your spirituality, your emotions, your romantic life, your Financial life, get your mindset on track, make sure you have a great community. And this is a seven week group coaching class. If you want to learn more about it or just meet me, I would love for you to schedule a complimentary breakthrough call. My schedule is very full this year, but I have opened three spots this week to talk to you and just see. Where you need a breakthrough, where are you feeling stuck in your life? Maybe you need to lose a few pounds. Maybe you're tired of being single, or maybe you're ready to double and triple your finances. So, wherever you feel stuck, I'm committed to helping you have a breakthrough on this coaching call. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes and the link tree to schedule that breakthrough call. And if you're interested in learning more about Elegant Warrior Training, I am happy to talk to you about it live or you can always reach out through my email. Talk to you soon. Keep rocking your goals and keeping your vibe high and I'll see you next week with another incredible guest.